0: Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us each episode i'll be joined by inspiring guests as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insight we'll show you how to break free from burnout ignite sustainable energy and embrace your authentic self together we'll navigate career challenges nurture relationships and excel in every aspect of life it's time to fuel your success and embark on your journey of empowerment let's take this incredible journey together get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving.
1: Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Today, we're diving into the transformative power of passion to combat burnout. Our guest and founder of the Passion Center, Kira Day, will inspire us to harness our passions for lasting change, get ready to ignite your spark and transform your life. Oh my goodness, as we kick off this show today, I want to let you know today is Balance Awareness Week from September 17th through the 23rd. And to find out more about Balance Awareness Week, check out vestibular.org. It is an incredible organization, and I'm really thrilled to partner with them this year, join us, and be a part of the Flamingo Flock as part of the Mind Your Autistic Brain Flamingo Crew. You can check out more about this group and how we are fundraising and spreading awareness around vestibular uh, dysfunction and and abilities and disabilities within our community at resources.mindyourautisticbrain.com forward slash events. So, what exactly is vestibular? Why am I talking about it? Why have I created a group for us? Um, I, w- I have a goal of $250. I kicked it off with $10 of my own, and I would love for you guys to join me. And, you know, whatever you have, if you can contribute, great. If you can't, that's totally okay. But 69 million Americans of all neurotypes, that's one out of five people experience a vestibular disorder. So if you're wondering what is vestibular disorder or dysfunction, Let me tell you, I have, and so many of us in the autistic and ADHD population have co-occurring health conditions. I have POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So I, some people stand up and they get a little dizzy. Well, there are a lot of us that have a really extreme version of that, and I'm more like the human version of the fainting goat, as I know I've shared before, and I'm not nearly as cute or as fun to watch, right, (laughs) when that happens. And your vestibular system is part of your inner ear, and it can also be brought on um, by other uh, conditions of the mind and a lots of co-occurring health conditions that we have. So especially if, like I also have what we're suspecting is MCAS, but getting tested for that, as so many of us know, is a real challenge finding someone who knows how to do that for a lot of us. Um, so with that, you know, I have a lot of chronic sinus infections, and you know, as I am have learned, what really kind of triggers those for me. Thank goodness it's not as bad right now with the fall kicking in. I don't know about you guys, share in the chat. Let me know where are you joining us from and do you experience dizziness? Do you experience imbalance? Um, And, you know, when we're also talking about this, the reason I wanted to raise a conversation around vestibular disorders and and why it's important for us to talk about that this week is that so many of us also, it's part of our proprioception, part of our seven areas of our sensory profile. And I talk about this as part of our um, burnout restoration process framework that we need to know our sensory profile blueprint and for a lot of us it's that where is our placement in the world where is our movement our balance our center do we recognize where our body is and i know so many of us in conversations that i have throughout our community it's like gosh you know i have like these dizzy spells or i have vertigo really really bad um you know, especially when I get sinus infections, it really throws off my ear pressure and all sorts of things. So I know this is something that impacts a large majority of our ADHD autistic community. And 35% of adults over 40 experience vestibular challenges and it increases with age. And when um, you're 80 or over, it's like 85%. So as aging autistic ADHD humans, I also wanted to just raise the awareness that as we age, as humans, the vestibular system uh, will face more challenges. And for a lot of us, that's already kind of a big challenge wherever we are on this journey. So just a few little things and please come join us um, again over in the Flamingo crew for Mind Your Autistic Brain at resources.mindyourautisticbrain.com forward slash events. And you can find out more about the group. You can join and be a team member there and you can also donate. And we would appreciate anything that you offer to help this wonderful organization. I also want to have a huge shout out. Um, I was the keynote speaker this week on Thursday for the early care and Learning Council of New York. I want to say thank you to the director Fanny Glover and everyone at the Early Care and Learning Council Cafe event. This was really spectacular to speak to so many um, educators, directors, nonprofit executives, and government agencies who are really interested in knowing and learning more about what is neurodiversity? How does that show up? How can we be better educators in creating and curating environments? How can we support our neurodistinct students and employees? How can we best do this in the workplace and education? And I was so thrilled to be a part of that conversation and leading really incredible uh, conversation and questions with the Early Care and Learning Council of New York. So thank you to all of you. And it was just a wonderful experience to be there. Guys, oh my goodness. This is Kelsey. She is the chief gifter uh, at Simplified Gifting and she is my chief gifter here in Mind Your Autistic Brain. And on Friday, the gift boxes went out for the Energize and Restore Experience Day. Oh my goodness. And so here's a picture of Kelsey holding one of the boxes and the sticker says, don't open until September 30th, because we've got all kinds of goodies. And this is a an experience and a fun thing to kind of unlayer. And as you see, there's one of the layers wrapped in that cute paper with the stickers. Oh my gosh, everything has been hand packed and curated and goes throughout the entire experience day. We are so excited to have a full house for this event coming up on Saturday, September 30th. So if you miss getting your ticket for this event. We will have a wait list that will be coming up for our one that we're going to be hosting in the spring. Don't miss it this time. I'm telling you, these suckers sold like hotcakes really fast. (laughs) And there were just a limited number. So guys, we're so excited. The experience boxes are on their way. They are en route. And if you have a ticket, get excited, get your eye on your mailbox. They are coming. I also want to say a huge thank you to Kanan Tekchandani. She and I hosted at nine o'clock this morning, the Create Your Calm. And we had a wonderful group that joined us to organize a small area as we worked along with Kanan. And she helped us move through the different areas and facets of questions that we might have that may be coming up. So here's a little glimpse into what I did, guys. I had this horrible basket that was full of pens and it kept falling over and it had my little post-it notes. So I got this little tower and in that event today, I totally reorganized and basically came to this whole new thing from scratch, because the po- top right-hand corner of my desk was driving me crazy. I could not stand it. I could never get a pen that I liked, that righted, and wrote, and for some reason, I kept ending up with pens that I knew didn't write, and I kept, so I finally, I threw them all away today. It felt so good. I felt so calm, so energized, and now it's so much fun when I look over here in this little corner of my desk. So a huge shout out to Kanan and everybody that joined us today for our Create Your Calm Experience Day. This was a an event sponsored by Mind Your Autistic Brain. It was part of our third annual Self-Care September series. So keep your eyes open. We have a few more things coming up as we go throughout the rest of the year. One of those events is coming on Up in October, as part of our 30 minute lunch and learn series, with the incredible Judy Umless. She is the author and architect of The Power of Acknowledgement. And this is such an incredible way to really help transform your teams, your leadership, and hey, your life and maybe even your relationships at home. Registration is open now, and we will have two event dates in October, so don't miss out on this event. Oh my goodness, guys, it's that time. It is time to meet Kira Day. Friends, today we have a truly passionate guest joining us, Ms. Kira Day, the founder of the Passion Center. She brings over two decades of corporate experience and a unique perspective to our discussion. She courageously pursued her dream by resigning from a prestigious sales manager position in the tech industry. Kira's passion is all about helping individuals align their inner passions with their external world. She firmly believes that meaningful change begins within oneself. Kira's methodology has guided countless people, including me, towards higher levels of alignment in their personal and professional lives, leading to exciting career transitions and passion-driven ventures. We're in for an inspirational and inspiring conversation today with Kira Day. Carol, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you, my friend.
2: I'm so excited, Carol. This is amazing. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh my gosh. There is not a passion conversation that I think could happen in the world that doesn't include you.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) thank you. That's a problem.
1: (laughs) When we talk about burnout, I think we have to look at what are some of the things that you've noticed are sort of the long-term impacts that not knowing what your passion drivers are sort mm-hmm. of leads to that inevitable burnout and sort of what has been your personal burnout journey and how did you come to passion through that, I guess is an even better question maybe.
2: So there is so many things to unpack
1: with that question.
2: <laughs> like I know, and that was a stacked <laughs> question.
1: So <laughs> right. pick, pick them apart as they come to you. <laughs>
2: No, it it is a perfect question, though, and I don't think you can or I would like to start with passion without having the conversation of burnout, because it was my personal burnout story that led me to passion, which, you know, um, I'm happy to to share a little bit of insight there um, if it does help your viewers. So I would say that my professional career, although, you know, there were a lot of exciting things that was happening. I was working a lot with high profile accounts. I had a great team. Um, a lot of talented folks. I would honestly say that um, at least the latter part of it, I didn't feel passion for my work. Um, What I felt was ambition. And for a long time, I had confused the both. So I really did confuse that high drive, that high ambition with passion. And, And I think that's really common now working with many people. It's, it's just something that we don't have distinctions for. And our internal experiences are very complex. There's a lot of competing drivers that we have, especially in the world of work. Um, And I think, you know, for a long time, as you're scaling your career, as you're moving up in an industry, no matter what that is, you form and build a lot of skill sets, and a lot of networks, and every ounce of it is attached to your lifestyle mortgage, family demands, all the things. So it becomes really complex, really fast. Um, so when you talk about things like, you know, breaking down your life in favor of your passion or going after your passion, things like that, I think people generally get the idea that it's a complex thing to do <laughs> and <laughs> and it's not easy. Um, so while there were certain elements of my career where I had those little pulls internally that said, huh, like, this really isn't for you, Kira, like, you you need to be pursuing something different. I was very actively and readily ignoring that voice <laughs> in favor of, um, you know, creating this thing that I thought was my career destiny. And I think it's the ignoring over so long mixed in with the complexities of growing in a career or profession that you really truly aren't passionate about, that ultimately led to my own demise. Um, When we don't listen to ourselves at a fundamental level, your body will eventually have something to say about that. And I know that my body had a lot of things to say, and it started to talk to me in very loud ways. Um, And my first reaction to it was to ignore it, not listen to it, find it very annoying because it was getting in the way of the things that I was very focused on doing.
1: Oh my um, gosh, I wouldn't know anything about that.
2: <laughs> no one, cat, no one does. Yeah, no, not even, not even a thing. But <laughs> so I think it was that journey um, actually that, that taught me a lot. It was, I learned so much in that experience um, and eventually that experience got really painful. Uh, my body started to show a lot of signs that it wasn't doing well. Um, and that was a very scary part of my life. It forced me to confront all the things that I wasn't confronting. Um, and then finally, I made the decision that my life was worth more than what I was giving it. And so I got myself a health board <laughs> and I turned a lot of my attention to like, what's going on let's figure this out. There's no way that this is going to be my new normal. Um, That took about a year and a half of a journey. Lots of lessons, lots of like dark night of the soul moments. Um, But what it all led me to was this realization that I wasn't living in alignment to my passion. Um, And so The path back to health, what literally saved my life, was really starting to honor who I am as a person, what I'm here to do as an individual, and who I'm here to be. And I wasn't doing or being any of those things when I was back in corporate. And that's not to say that it didn't gift me with a lot of lessons and a lot of very, very applicable things that I'm using to this day, but it wasn't my journey. My train stopped and I needed to get off and listen to the rest of that story. So I would say how passion fits into that is when people think of passion, we think of it as being outside of self. It's something else that we're passionate about, but the truth is passion is an internal game. So my journey back to myself was a journey back home, which then ultimately led me to my passion.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's, there's so much in here. There's so much juicy goodness as you and I always say, there's so much juice to this. Right. And I think you, you just touched on something that just sat with me so beautifully. It just like, it resonated in just this harmonious flow when you said it. And it was like getting back to me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. And, and when I talk about sort of the journey for late identified humans, when we, usually come to this identification, most of the time it is because we're experiencing one of the worst, worst burnouts of our lives. Right. And burnout is essentially consistent chronic unmet needs. And mm-hmm. as I always say, when we look at our basic human needs blueprint uh, in, the, in the unveiling method, and it's in my book, Unleashing Sustainable Energy. If you know, if you guys want to go and get that and, and go through these assessments, that it helps you start crafting what does your blueprint look like to start restoration? And and in that we've got our basic human needs blueprint. And for most people, we look at it, we think, okay, what I need are these top five things usually, like physical safety, shelter, water, food, you know, physical, like monetary, financial safety or security. And Maslow. It's so much more than that, right? That's just like barely even scratching the surface. And this isn't about that, the flawed belief that Maslow had created this pyramid, because there's no pyramid, you know, and Scott Barry Kaufman has evolved and gone back in and says, you know, hey, let's look at the sailboat model. But when we look at all of these needs, they occur simultaneously, It's based on the season of the life that we're in right now. What is it that I need in this moment or this season of my life? And I think one of the things that came to me going through the Passion Center and Seven Days to Passion, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, but part of that was that I recognized I had this tremendous integrity gap and not a lack of personal integrity, but a lack of how I knew and who I knew myself to be internally Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And how, how I was actually showing up in the world externally. And there was a huge gap in that. And yes, you know, decades of, of masking to the camouflaging level, professional camouflaging level played into that. Yeah. And when you've like, you described so, I think so many relatable feelings as like pushing down, suppressing, like, I don't have time for you. Get on somewhere, <laughs> you know, go on, get as, as we say in the South. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, get. We'll have time for you. <laughs> you
2: know, but, um, there's one thing that I keep returning to, and I see it here, um, and 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 now that when you see something, you can't unsee it, and right. So a lot of this journey has been relearning um, who Kira is and what she about, and what's important, what matters at a fundamental level, and. I think so much of our society teaches us how to go outside of ourselves. Um, we're always learning skills and we're upskilling in these different areas and where, you know, through media messages and all of these other aspects of our socioculture, culture, we're seeing things that we feel we're supposed to be. And so we're always in this endless cycle of becoming um, something else other than ourselves. And that's, not acceptable to the body. The body wasn't created to be something else or someone else. It was created to be who you are. And, and I think, you know, a lot of our traditional models, um, I think things are changing now, but traditionally there was no focus on understanding who you are. There was a focus on, hey, let's get all of these people in the same room so that we can teach them a whole bunch of standardized things so that they can be um, able to have jobs in the future and produce in society. And that's great, right? That, That fundamentally serves a portion of our needs, but to your earlier point, it certainly doesn't address the whole swapping number of other needs that we have as human beings. We are complex and multidimensional. And we're not designed to be these like sliver of cells approaching life in one dimension or even linearly. We've got these mosaic things. So I love what you said about Maslow's <clears throat> hierarchy of needs and being kind of like dismantled a little bit and reconfigured. But the point is Maslow was on to something and it's that our brains do need a certain components of structure and safety in order to feel um, like we have the capacity to reach for self-actualization or higher level of emotions like passion and so forth. Passion is a very multidimensional experience that includes a lot of different aspects and features inside of our cortical and neurological systems. It literally connects um, in a greater capacity inside of the brain so that we can feel the experience of passion—it hits on our reward centers, right? So, to to be able to do that, we have we do have structures within our bodies that compete for our attention and need to be addressed in order for passion to be fully realized. Um, and so, when we're not paying attention to those needs holistically, then you know we're we're never going to actually reach the type of passion that we can and that is absolutely available to us. Um, providing we treat our bodies like a whole system instead of like these pieces of siloed things that we have to focus on and put on a to-do list. Right.
1: Oh my gosh. Right. And it's like so much is sparking in my brain as you're talking, as it always does. You know, there's there's so much, right. There's so much juicy goodness here in, in the sense that like for my neurotype. So as an autistic person, there's I have this warring, you know, duel of ADHD and, and autistic yes. traits going on with me. So, in this one sense, the structure having that foundation and and routine and predictability is really comforting for me. And it allows mm-hmm. me to stretch in other areas, right? And when we're talking about that in passion health that's important that we've got like that center. Cause you do a lot of work around uh, trauma and, and un- unleashing and uncovering that so mm-hmm. that we can embrace the passion in our life. Because for so many of us, we have this need for passion. So then there's this ADHD side of me. That's like, I am super excited and I'm really lit up and I have the dopamine heads and I see this stuff and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then I'm like, my body's going, but no, no, no. <laughs> And so, you know, there's right. all of these things. So I, and then the world sometimes responds to me like, Oh girl, you got to tone that down a little bit, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like your sunshine is bright, but it's just like too bright from my world. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, I'm so sorry. You just have to put some shades on friends." <laughs> you know, I, that's just me. Yes. <laughs> right. And, and I think, you know, we're talking about all of these things and you are the passion health, guru, queen, beautiful genius zone. This is you. So my question is, Kira, when we're, you know, looking at passion from all of these different elements of like, oh yes, this lights me up. And I feel like this is it, but the world is telling me like tone that down. And then I've got this other side of me. That's like, I need the consistency or routine because I know I have this passion and I've kind of been suppressing it mm-hmm. and I want to embrace it but I'm not sure how to get there. What 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 do we do with those two things? So, you know, welcome to the human experience.
2: (laughs) We are (laughs) always negotiating, right? We're always negotiating for resources. We're always negotiating for each other and we're constantly negotiating with ourselves. Um, And so this is why I decided that understanding the parameters and the ingredients for passion is really, really, really super important in order to even have a chance at being able to make the right negotiations that are gonna to lead to the right return on emotional investment. So what we did was we did a study for three or four years. And in that study, we summed up to about like 2,100 respondents somewhere in and around that number. And my main question in the whole idea of this was, Okay, so a lot of academic literature is telling me that passion is about internal and external things, right? So nature, nurture, environment, biology. But they weren't really telling me what any of those things were. (laughs) And so I wanted to find out with precision, what were those things? Because until we're actually able to call it by name, we won't be able to do anything with it. And we will still keep negotiating with all of these things to try to figure stuff out. So after all of these um, interviews and just kind of like understanding the patterns and chiseling it down, we got the results and the results showed that passion wasn't a one-to-one thing, Um, it was a one to 15 things. And so what does that mean? and y15 so the idea that you're passionate about something and you're and something's really lighting you up and you're getting those dopamine hits and you're like yes 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 I want more of that well it has absolutely nothing to do with that thing it has to do with like what's happening on the inside that's creating that relationship and on the inside there are about six elements of things from the 15, so when we broke it down we put it into four buckets one was psychological health Uh, the second was internal health Uh, the third was external health and the fourth was social health and it's how these parameters interact and engage on a daily basis that will tell you if your passion health is going to be healthy or if it's not going to be healthy but here's where it gets tricky. So understanding your baseline, super important. And if you want to get to know what that is, we from the study, we made a passion health assessment. It's called the passion health test for a lot of our clients or the passion health employee surveys. What we're doing right now, we're working with organizations to really get an understanding of what's happening in, inside a team. Um, but the whole idea behind it is to really work on the areas that are actually creating your experience of passion and understanding what's inhibiting it. Most of the time, when we are super passionate about something, it can come from two places. One, it can come from our, really, of our core self, our biological nature, we're just naturally attracted to or we have an affinity for something. But most of the time, it comes from pain. It comes from some kind of trauma and you're filling a void for that trauma creates the experience of passion and that's where it actually gets unhealthy because that will trigger a type of passion called obsessive passion and obsessive passion is not a good thing. If there are studies have shown that obsessive passion and no passion at all decreases your psychological health by the same factor. So what we want to do is to keep it in healthy ranges.
1: So I got a question for you around that because this is something that was, it it really stood out to me. So in our community, in the autistic ADHD community, we have something that we, you know, lovingly call and affectionately call our hyper-focus or our special interest area. And, you know, we've had a conversation around this particular aspect of passion, like when it becomes obsessive and when you're talking about passion becoming an obsession, like you're constantly thinking about it and it's it's actually equally as detrimental as not having passion. How do we catch ourselves? How do we identify when our passion is maybe slipping off into a place that is like what I call that point of diminishing return?
2: So this is easy. So if you are thinking of your passion more than you're thinking of your health, it's time to reset
1: your balance. So um so if you're holding it and not going to the bathroom for 3 or 4 hours or you haven't eaten in like 8 or 9 hours and all of a sudden not, you're like hangry
2: right you're not hydrating you're not paying attention to your relationships you're not um like so in order for us to be thriving healthy humans there's a whole bunch of spheres in our life that we've got to manage and work with in order to um to feel optimal And if you are creating an imbalance because you're hyper-focusing over here and all of these other things, these other areas you're not watering and, and, you know, nurturing, then eventually this will impact these things and these things will start to erode this thing and then the whole thing crashes. So it's super, super important to understand the measurement of that, but knowing it, the awareness of it isn't enough. To stop it. Um, we need to exert a lot of willpower um, with our addictions and our obsessions. And usually the reason why we're obsessive to begin with is because it's
1: overriding our willpower. So the the well, truth, you know I'm going to reject something in this one because there was like, oh gosh, in this place in that same space. Cause guys, I, I am hyper-focused person. I will get down and all of a sudden I'm like, Oh Lord, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm about to wet my pants or, Oh wow. Did I eat? Did I eat today? I don't remember. I ate today. And, and sometimes that happens, but when I noticed, and this is kind of where those, those burnout signposts for me, those external signposts come up. It's like, okay, have I consistently this week done these things for myself, you know, the things that I know are sort of as foundational support things. Have I checked in and called my mom and dad, you know, <laughs> have I reached out and made sure that, you know, Hey, my sister's still breathing. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we're good if we just talk once a month and that's sort of our agreement kind of thing. Right. No, but have I done those things? And it, it really helped because I also got in that trap that this is my passion. It feels really good. So I want to keep doing it mm-hmm. because I'm also avoiding the things that I don't like to do that feel uncomfortable or are not good.
2: Right, right. It's the, it's the positive feedback loop, which creates the cycle, um, but it can also become a very, very good avoidance strategy, for sure. And, um, and avoidance strategies also show that we've got some, um, some inherent imbalance in the system. So the, the interesting fact about all of our human behavior is that at some point it's rooted in the fact that either we have um, pain in our system, that's not resolved. And we really just need to figure out ways to look at it and understand it so that we can remove the blind that sometimes our brain puts over us so that we don't look in certain areas and we keep driving forward. And while that's a great defense mechanism and ability to to move, it's it's not a great long term strategy um, because it starts to erode just our life and our ability to experience the healthy, optimal types of passion that I feel we all deserve. So, you know, what I love about what you just shared, Carol, is that that awareness, you can start to put um, system audits up and as long as you have a, a good relationship with your body and the relationship that you have with your life, that may be all that's required for you to keep yourself in check and be accountable. But I know for me, because I do have some of those tendencies as well, I can become very obsessively passionate. That's how I know so much about this. I'm trying to cure myself. <laughs> um but, and I have noticed the areas in my life where I've certainly improved and the areas in my life that are like stuck like a fly in a web. (laughs) And it's like, and it's not unsticking, but I also know why. And I also know where it's rooted in and the practice around working with my own internal traumas to support my ability to move from that avoidance into challenge um, and also generate the kind of energy where I can do that because the other part of this conversation is that if you stay in obsessive passion for too long, that also leads to burnout. So you won't have the energy or the capacity to stop yourself, even if you wanted to. Because again, it takes willpower, and willpower is an energetic form. Like you need enough energy supply in order to create the willpower to do the hard thing that goes against the thing you're doing. So there is a form of resistance, um, working that we have to work through.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. And there's so much like, as I look back over my life and you do sort of that retrospective Mm -hmm. of how, how did burnout show up for me, especially in my career. And I can look in my twenties and thirties in particular, because, you know, burnout shows up differently in, in each, stage of our life, season of our life, our age, and in our career stages. And I remember looking back not too long ago when we were preparing for an episode here, we were talking about career planning and transition and things like that. And, you know, I think this really applies as we're talking about passion because there have been careers in my life where I was exceptionally passionate about it. I was really good at it, but I didn't realize I had tipped over into that obsessive passion area. So I was working 60, 80 hours a week, but I was loving it. But I was killing myself doing it. And Mm -hmm. so, because I didn't understand that and I wasn't aware of passion and I wasn't aware of burnout and I wasn't aware of my neurotype, the first thing I thought was, oh, this isn't this job and this career isn't a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. And even though I love it, it's not a good fit for me i need to do something different so then i would change careers i would go back to school and i would you know start all over again which is really hard on the financial budget when and in, on the emotional um, right understanding of yourself when you're like constantly starting over again, because you think you can't seem to sustain anything that you love. And that really makes you feel
0: bad too.
1: Like you're sad because you loved it, but it was hurting you, but it was really your obsession that was hurting you and your imbalance. Right. And I think that that's what Pete that's like, if I could drive
2: any point home with this conversation, it's this, we use passion to mean one thing. I love something. And, um, But when you simplify it or oversimplify it in that category, we miss the wisdom and the intelligence of what the experience is actually there to show us and to teach us. Um, And so what I really um, would love to impress on your community, on you and remind myself as well, is that, you know, love comes in two forms and has a spectrum in between unhealthy and healthy. And so, if the goal is to live optimally, right, if the goal is to really thrive in our existence and feel happier than sad, right, like if that's the goal, and then we all want to achieve this, you know, holy grail of an experience, then we have to get smarter and wiser about our internal, what our internals are saying. And so, When we, and like, this is so fascinating to be talking about this now because it's not, it's like three or four years ago, there was this big swipe on over the internet around like follow your passion, don't follow your passion. There was all of these arguments, these very binary arguments around like this or that, which I always find just so gimmicky, (laughs) but you know, cause there's zero truth in either. But like, anyways, when I started to go through you know what some of the arguments were for not following your passion a lot of these things came up like studies that were done that showed that people passionate in sales for example were had a higher rate of heart attacks and there was other um things that were saying you know it's not about passion it's about this thing over here um which ultimately was like some kind of back door to get to passion and what i've learned in just kind of society's noise about these things is that we just need to get a better handle on what it is we're talking about so that we can know what to do. And so that's ultimately why the Passion Health Test was invented to begin with. It was just to give us that like, here is a structure, here's what to look for. If you are down or up in any of these areas, it now gives you a metric and a way for you to um tweak some areas of your lifestyle pay attention to certain areas there's a power of awareness Um, but then once you're aware the next thing is so now what right and the so now what part is about following that journey for yourself because everyone's journey through passion is going to be very different very nuanced um and also I mean, you know this best, right? The way that we're wired, we're gonna experience it differently for ourselves. So there's nothing more important on this journey, nothing more important than getting to know yourself better. The better you know of yourself, the more access you're gonna have to tweak and form, adjust, discover and develop so that you can experience the richness of the healthy type of passion.
1: Okay. So we're just going to break it down and I'm going to ask you like the straight, give me, give me the, the little condensed black and white. What is passion? Meaning
2: times investment.
1: How does that translate into our everyday application, Kira? So ultimately
2: any true engagement um, or relationship that we have with life, if it's healthy, it's because it's meaningful and we have a deep connection to it. And Usually our time spend is spent in things that we don't care about, (laughs) Um, right up to we care intensely about it. So in order to achieve higher levels of passion, there is an alignment quality that is required. How much and where am I spending my time feeling connected to and feeling meaningful about? So this is why understanding and knowing and unpacking why your passion drivers matter. Passion drivers are the language that we get to describe about the things that mean things to us. And the truth of the matter is most of those things are unconscious. We don't have a cognitive ability to really understand um, what is truly meaningful to us. Like even if you say something like, oh, well, my kids are truly meaningful to me. Oh, well, you know, my husband or my wife is really, truly meaningful to me. Oh, well, you know, like helping others is truly meaningful to me. Cool. That's amazing. Why? Why? Like, what are those things? And just like keep going down that journey until you understand what those things are and then how. It's like a recipe. Your life is a recipe. You are the person that's putting all of the ingredients together to make your beautiful dish you are the creator of your life so what aspects of your life is too salty too spicy too bland and how do you recreate the dish so that you can have a better experience because that's ultimately what it's about right um and so while I don't know that that was quick Carol (laughs) I think oh that was good it is the requirements needed to, you know, really um, get a grasp on living passionately in all areas of your life, not just one, two, or none.
1: What I discovered, and I think what has been sort of this quantum leap growth experience that I've had since going through the seven days to passion back in mm-hmm. December with you, and in the whole passion center team, which was just, is a phenomenal group. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I learned so much because I was under the illusion, the misunderstanding that passion was this thing that it excited me, right? Like I loved it. It was fun, Mm -hmm. but I didn't understand that a passion driver is so much more than that. And getting to that piece of clarity around what is the unconscious like because those were the things I was conscious of, right? I was like, oh, I'm passionate about this. I love to do this, or this is like a hobby or something I really enjoy, right? But a passion driver is very different in the sense that it's so much deeper. It's this unlayering of this unconscious part of us that is like the humanness of why we're here and who we are
0: individually,
1: yes. right? Yes. And once I once you helped me and I uncovered my passion driver. It's now I can look at every element of my life, be it at work or at home or just, you know, by myself. Yeah. How is that? How are my passion drivers in alignment supporting the life and empowering the life that I want to lead? Brilliant. And once I saw that, it was huge.
2: You know, we call the tool that we use the Compass for system. And we do that because it really does act like a compass. So... What's cool about it too is like as your awareness grows and deepens, your your drivers chisel and they get more focused, more clear. I've just updated mine and I've gotten to the most amount of clarity I've ever had in my life about what my drivers are. And what I'm discovering more and more, the more relationship I have with it is that if there are areas in my business that do not align to this, I'm out. If there are projects or people that come into my life that do not align to it, I'm out because I already know. My life is going to be exponentially, quantum leaped better if I stay in this zone. The moment I distract myself and I go over here, everything drops, my experience drops, my energy levels drop, I feel like there are gaps or like there's something missing. So understanding your language and knowing your lane, that clarity transforms everything, whether it's your relationships, your business, the way you do business, your colleagues, all of it. Now, here's the risk in knowing, right? So remember I said in the beginning, like you can't unsee what you see. (laughs) The risk is that if you're not in alignment, you're gonna have to do it. You're gonna have to get into alignment. And you're gonna have to do it not because I'm saying you have to do it. You're gonna have to do it because your body will naturally be like, okay, now I understand.
1: (laughs) And- It it. will just make you.
2: (laughs) It will just make you. That's exactly it.
1: (laughs) And at that point, it's either, you know, I'm going to get uncomfortable and get a little messy and figure it out for myself because through the action is the contrast that is created that gives you the clarity every time. Action gives you clarity.
2: That's what's so cool too about, you know, what we've built here at the Passion Center because what we've done is not only have we studied passion, but we've studied people's uh, transformation and career pivots as well. Because there are challenges, complexities, and so many different things that comes up on that journey that you kind of need a Sherpa. And so what we've designed are these courses and community that knows this world so well. So if you are completely out of alignment, and you know that there are changes that are gonna need to be made in order to get into alignment, now there's a path because we've paved it. Before when I was doing this, no path. And that was the most expensive, lonely journey I've ever taken in my life. Worth it, but still. Oh,
1: totally. I love that. And, you know, that is that is where you and I are so aligned and and so much of the same heart that, you know, we were like roller coastering, white knuckling up and down, figuring it out. And once we did, we're like, okay, we've now created this foundation, this methodology, the structure, and we pressure tested this and we want to help other people do it faster, more efficiently and less painfully than we did.
2: Right even though there's merit to to pain i always say yeah whatever. there is
1: there absolutely is
2: if you want to take your own journey too cool like life will chisel it for you it's like it will always as long as you trust the journey
1: <laughs> that is so true and we have a question from paul that i think is a really good one and i think this comes up you know when we're talking about passion people can get you know like well great passion's wonderful but it's not practical it doesn't pay my bills and really? I, I personally have to argue with the fact that passion doesn't pay the bills yeah, yeah. because what I think I have learned, and I think that what Kira will probably speak to, and I'm going to kick it over to you, but just real quickly, what I have found is when I am in alignment with my passion drivers, with the things that truly are my dharma, my passion, my purpose, the things that are innately me and what I am meant to do in the world, when those things are in alignment, everything else flows to me, which I send to repel everything around me, trying to fight it out and do what I was supposed to do or expected to do, or what I thought social norms, like, you know, were what this, oh, I'm supposed to do this, but it was so out of alignment with me in so many ways. And it wasn't allowing that passion to come through. So I was actually repelling money instead of attracting. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to kick this passion question, to pay, you know, a passion in paying my bills question to you.
2: Right. So what if your passion isn't paying the bills? That's the question.
1: So here's
2: where societally we have gone wrong with passion and why we think that this is actually the question when it's not. Okay. Um, let me unpack this. So to do that, I have to say that passion came before capitalism. But what we've done as an industrial nation is we have used passion to put it into an economic framework and we have industrialized the shit out of passion. So so here's how I can respond and this is why I wanna bring it back to the fact that passion isn't about basketball. It's not about music. It's not about your job. It's not about work. It's not about your skills. It's not about any of those things. It's about how your inner system understands and negotiates through life and helps you to feel good about it, thriving about it. So when people come to me and they're like, well, I'm a, I'm passionate about singing, but I can't sing. I'm like, OK, well, then singing isn't going to be a career for you, but you do have some options. One." You can always choose to sing. Like that is a thousand percent what you should be doing if you're passionate about it, whether that's to yourself or to the people that love you, because they will be the only ones that would be okay with listening to you (laughs) if you can't sing, right? But like, but you should still do it. However, to go deeper on this, we have to find out a couple of things. Why is passion coming up for you when you sing? What are the ingredients within that connects to that way of expression so much? So going through this idea of understanding what sits at the core and the heart of you, what's at the heart of your matter, and what connects you to that thing, gives me um, a way to MacGyver how you can get into more passion in your life. Which means if I know the, the, the building blocks of why that's important to you, I can actually build that in other ways and you will still find passion there. And I've done this. I've done this with clients who thought for sure that they could not be passionate where they were. And then what we discovered was that it's not that they couldn't be passionate where they were, it's that they were focusing on the wrong things where they were, which wasn't enabling an expression and experience of passion. The moment they started to shift and focus on those areas, now that they knew what it was because it was, front of mind, there was language around it, all of the things, there there was awareness, then they could have manipulated their situation to get to higher levels of passion. Um, So again, to summarize this, passion came before capitalism. You do not need to make money from your passion. You can have it as long as it's in your life, because it's energy generating, meaning you get an internal economy and reward from your passion so you should always be finding ways to incorporate it in your life that is within your control if you are looking to monetize passion then that's a different journey that's about really understanding your drivers and how and what are you uniquely qualified to solve and how does the market um what is the what is the problem that the market thinks it's valuable enough that they would want it needed and buy it And so that's the part of our like incubator program where we build passion centered companies that are all uniquely built based on people's passions. Um, But that's a whole different conversation. (laughs) And I know that was a a um, a little long there, but I do really feel like this is a conversation that needs more light on because there's so much opportunity and so much innovation that comes from your heart. There really is, and it should not be suppressed or denied simply because we have this mistaken belief that we can't make money from it. Um, if that's what you want to do, there's always a way.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely, when you when you do, and I think the key there was also what you said about having the language to be able to describe and share and communicate your passion drivers to other people. And I think you help, you help create that framework to give people that language that they can feel it, but they didn't have the words for it. And you help them put their words to mm-hmm. what that passion is for them, which I think is really beautiful. So Kira, how can people work with you? How can they find you? How can they come and find the passion center to begin with? uncovering their passion drivers?
2: It's really easy. My website is right there. (laughs) Just go on there. You'll find all of the information. Um, If you want to schedule a call with me, I do application only, meaning I want to be able to speak to anyone that comes to the Passion Center, um, mainly because I want to make sure that we're the right fit for you. Um, And if we're not the right fit for you, then we want to support you and, and get the right fit for where you are. We are very specific um, with the types of people we work with, and very specific with how we help them. So, if you're that type of person, and um, and we can, uh, and we can support you, then that's what we'll do. Um, secondly, I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn, so feel free to come over my way, pop in a no, pop in a hi. And, uh, and you can see me for my hashtag microdosing passion, passion um, minutes, which is a series I do and passion break we do every week as well. So yeah, there's, there's many ways to engage if you want to.
1: I highly and strongly suggest Wednesday nights at Passion Break. Um, it is such a wonderful conversation. If you want to just jump in and, and have a conversation more and, and sort of uncover what passion can be and the different facets of passion. And Kira's series, Microdosing Passion, is really phenomenal. Uh, you can go and read the, the older articles and there's always something in there that will spark your brain, I assure you. So Kira, as we're ending this show today in our conversation, What is the one element, if you could say, if someone's just starting their journey today, this is maybe the first conversation that they've ever had around passion. What's the one most important thing that you want them to know about passion health? Passion
2: is life. Like it's the fullest expression of life. So, you know, I think there's a lot of like cheesy (laughs) statements out there, like follow your passions. but. But there's a reason why we draw our attention to things like that. Somewhere internally, we know that there's something inside of us that wants something, wants to be expressed, wants to be seen, wants to be a value contribution in this world. And when we deny ourselves our passion, we deny ourselves that ability to express ourselves, to contribute at our highest, to spread that energy of love in the world. And there's so much transformation in the world that can be brought by our abilities to put our passion into action. And it doesn't matter if you're doing it five minutes a week, (laughs) I don't care, but you know, like, Paul I, I acknowledge um, your share in the chats and you know what I would offer is that although that's what helps you to pay your bills right now, there are ways in which you can show up like showing up in this conversation right now, you know following Carol, being connected in her community, finding pathways to be of service in the neurodiverse community, you're still accomplishing so much, right? And it may not be the 45 hours a week kind of accomplishment that maybe you would want, but even if it's five hours a week, that ladders up over time. And that means that the breath that you shared on this planet was worth something because you got to express and you got to share and you got to support and you got to help in a way that mattered deeply to you and in a way that mattered deeply for the other people that were helping. So yeah, I would just say, wherever your passion is,
1: whatever you can do to discover and go through that process, do it. Thank you, Kara. That is such a wonderful way to wrap up our conversation today around passion. Thank you so much for being here. Guys, if you are suspecting or not sure or you're like, oh, heck yeah, I'm in burnout, go take my spicy pepper burnout quiz to discover which level of spicy pepper you may be right now from a level one poblano pepper all the way up to a level five ghost pepper where you might be so hot you're not. When you can begin to uncover these areas and begin to bring energy back into your life, this is where it allows space for you to start discovering your passion and purpose in the world. And hey, if you're ready to dive in and start once you get your pepper level, my new book, Unleashing Sustainable Energy is available, and it comes in so many accessibility formats. Hyperlexic Publishing is breaking accessibility glass ceilings by providing both easy to read font, as well as open dyslexic font, audio versions, and video with captions for all of our books. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you being here. As we wrap up this episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout, I want to remind you of your incredible brilliance. Embrace your uniqueness and know that your journey is one of strength and resilience. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Stay connected with me for more empowering episodes, and let's continue to thrive together. Remember, you have the power to break free from burnout and unleash your authentic self. Until our next empowering conversation, take care and keep shining brightly.